This week's Major Spoilers podcast is brought to you by the following fine and faithful spoilerites. J.P. Horn, Devin Pellick, Casey Box, Ihaz Faruqi, Kayla Brown, Matt Verlinden, Taylor Forbes, Bo King, Charnel Clare, Simli Schwan, Pierce Richards, Joseph Smith, Lisa Kenoy, Seamus Dore, or Dore, we're going to go with both, Kara Mosier, Nathan Olson, Alex Springman, Ryan Roger, Ingrid Lindjohn, Ethan Martinez, Jared Torre, Aaron Matner, George Chimples, Brian Nelson, Sean Engard, Alastair Shields, whoa, now there's a name for a knight, Justin Norris, Pontus Helen and Adrian Watson. Fine and faithful. Spoilerites all. We'd love to have your name join them in the hallowed ranks of spoilerositude, a word I just made up, allowing a future Major Spoilers production to go out to you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue! On a given morning not too long ago, the rest of the world disappeared, and Majorspoilers.com was left all alone. Inhabitants were never sure whether everything was destroyed and only Major Spoilers left untouched, or whether Major Spoilers had been taken away. But on the other hand, they knew the cause. A monster had arrived on the internet. His name is Zach. He's six years old with a cute little boy face and blue guileless eyes. But when they look at you, you'd better start thinking happy thoughts because the mind behind them is absolutely in charge. And the Major Spoilers podcast is a good, good, good thing on the air in the Twilight Zone. That's good what you did, Zach. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Thank you. Thank you. It's very it's good that you showed good. up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. It's good. It's real good that you that our filled up all downloaded. the storage for our podcast. It's good that all of the listeners downloaded this episode so that they could share in the joy that is Zach. Yeah. It's yeah. good that you turned Rodrigo into a jack-in-the-box. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing you did. A real, real good thing. Everybody, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. <laughs> As always, thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Uh, so much going on, man, last week. Who would have thought it? Right? Although I think, uh, I think Matthew and I may have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. It was a rumor at the time. Amazon mm-hmm. went ahead and purchased Comixology. $13 yeah, a happened. bag of almonds is what they paid for that. Good thing or bad thing, Zach? Well, that is left to be determined until we kind of see what's happening because really the what the announcement was like this is happening we don't know any uh real details of the right, deal right, right. and we don't know um like restructuring of organizations if that's going to happen or what the deal is so for the time being i'm gonna have to lean and say it's probably a good thing yeah. comiXology in the last couple years has become incredibly popular and due to some of their big things they've done, uh, especially uh, the Marvel Unlimited with South by Southwest, mm-hmm. they had some server stability issues that ended up crashing their system for a long time. Yeah. And that was a lot of downtime. Right. And I think with the influx of cash that's going to come from this uh, buy by Amazon, that they will be able to do big upgrades to their servers and they're going to be more stable in the long run. So I think ultimately that is a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, especially maybe just, and again, we don't know 
you know, what the, what is going to be um, part of this deal. Right. Maybe they just move all their content onto the Amazon servers, sure. which, you know, don't go down and uh, take care of it that way. A lot of people, I think, uh, Rodrigo, are worried that all of my comic books are now suddenly going to go away. Valid concern or, or is that uh, maybe wild, crazy <laughs> speculation? I doubt it. Um, Amazon is a company from everything that I can see that has a real good, like, uh, customer comes first kind of ideology. Um, in fact, uh, obviously, this isn't going to make things particularly easy for that. But if you look at a company like Apple, um, you know, they are kind of big pains in the butt about how you are able to purchase stuff through right, their right, right. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and Comixology kind of always had problems with that. Um, this That's not going to go away because Amazon uh, picked them up. Well, but yeah. this is likely to bring about more synergy. For example, if you already have Amazon Prime um, or you're using um, any other Amazon services, you are probably going to see some added functionality either out of Comixology or out of Amazon, depending on uh, what, which direction you're approaching from. Yeah, now that is that is the, kind of the scary thing because um, Amazon really doesn't like to share its stuff with Apple. No. And the Kindle app mm-hmm. years ago was a great app. I loved it. I was buying books left and right. Uh, through the app, and then Amazon and, and Apple started to have their fight over in-app purchases and how much Apple was going to get. And Amazon said, well, fine, we're just going to turn that off in our um, system, and you won't be able to buy anything through your iOS device. You have to go over to the website, and it transfers over through the WhisperNet and everything. It works really, really great. I'm concerned that they might do that with Comixology. Mm-hmm. On, there could be some good things that come out of that. Uh, one of the good things could be that um, the price comes down. Because if they don't have to give Apple their 30%, now, who would give up profit? No sure. sane company. But let's just say that an insane company like Amazon decided, hey, let's just knock the price off of everything by 30% since we're not paying these people. And suddenly, your uh, comics become even cheaper digitally. Mm-hmm. Does that worry the brick and mortars, Matthew? Yeah, but I don't know that it's more of a worry than just the existence of Amazon and Comixology in and of themselves. I mean, I believe that digital comic sales are clearly not going to go away. And to some degree, you know, and again, I don't know what that degree would be, but to some degree, there are always going to be people who will go to a brick and mortar store Mm -hmm. over digital. I mean, that's, that's what people do. But I think that the, the biggest thing for me about this is kind of the, the window into people's, um, critical thinking and or conspiracy skills for the mm. last couple of weeks since mm-hmm. this was announced because everybody is now all of a sudden an expert on you know the digital distribution of books and how this is going to work and how it means the end of everything we know and love which is fine you know everybody is absolutely legitimate to have these these worries and these opinions and it could go horribly horribly wrong but i think that it's it's funny to see people making that decision before they've even finished the paperwork. Well, yeah, here's here's the here's the thing that should alleviate some people's fears. I mean, years ago we've had Chip Mosier on, and we've asked the question, you know, what are the, what is the likelihood of our of Comicsology going away, and suddenly we have no way of accessing our comics? And he basically was like, "There is no chance that you would ever lose your digital um, 
your digital comics. Somebody would step up and, and take over the servers or maintain those servers or whatever. This buy by right. Amazon just means that the chances of us losing our rented comics um, is is very, very small, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that these Even comics lower. are going to be a, around for a long time. Now, in regards to will the business model of Comixology change, we don't know that. Uh, but if we look at some of the other things that Amazon has purchased, they've purchased IMDb. You know, they got a cleaner interface. Um, you look at um, um, Alexa, and they've actually kind of stepped up a little bit over the last couple of months. Audible did have kind of a change to where I don't think you can buy stuff through the Audible app anymore. I think you can only listen mm. through the Audible app. And, of course, it still does that same uh, transfer. But you look at a company like Zappos, which Amazon owns, and there's very little change in their business model and how they do things. So, you know, I think Amazon will probably take more of a let's let's just see how you guys do over the next six months while we – you know, work out things together and mm-hmm. decide what we're going to do. So it's probably going to be, I mean, by San Diego Comic-Con, we will hear something uh, possibly by the time that uh, the company is, is the purchase is complete um, mm-hmm. and maybe any kind of new directions or business models may be announced, but certainly by the end of the year, uh, we will know if uh, anything has changed. I, yeah. I think, um, I mean, the biggest thing people are worried about is the in-app purchases thing. Right. And from my mind, from Apple, would be really dumb to put up a fight over the 30% or knocking it down to 15 because I believe Comixology for the last... And the oh, last they've year, been they've like been the number one the top or one of the app. grossing apps yeah. in, in, uh, so at least in the top they 10. They would be just saying, well, we don't want 30% of x millions mm-hmm. of dollars each year and certainly you but, know that you steve know what, jobs though? isn't there anymore i mean they could you know certainly under their new direction say yeah we can make agreements to where mm-hmm. you guys are only giving us 10 percent or sure. something like that yeah uh, apple apple has always been like weirdly reticent about stuff like that mm-hmm. they're just really stick to their guns where other you know where other for example music services Mm-hmm. Um, gave up a long time ago on you know trying to code their files so that people couldn't steal them. You know, Apple really held on to that for basically the longest time. You know, it took people leaving iTunes in in droves to, uh, to to services like Amazon to really get them to be like, okay, okay, we'll we'll just back off on the on the, on the software. DRM. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, but you know, on the other hand. There has been a lot of friction over the last year between Comixology and Apple over the sale of a lot of the image comics, the uh, mm-hmm. Sex Criminals and the Satellite right. Sam and, and Sex. Sex, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't, couldn't buy any of those through the in app Satellite purchase. Sex. Satellite <laughs> yeah. Sex and. Uh, sex with Satellite Sam. Hubble, and oh, Sam the Hubble is a dirty, dirty satellite. <laughs> Hubble, oh. That's a telescope, uh, but you good know, call. There's actually well, something that I like. Yeah, that's a good there's one. actually something that I like if you have to, you know, if everything. Yeah, granted, we could go over to the still have to go over to the Comixology website and make our purchase there. But if mm-hmm. they do tie this in with Amazon Prime, and this is maybe some some grand thinking, if they do tie this into Amazon Prime and tie it into the Amazon website where you're buying it through Amazon like you do with your Kindle books and it's delivered to you, Kindle books you can actually buy through the Amazon.com link at Majorspoilers.com because of the affiliate program that we have set mm-hmm. up with them. So we do a review. There's a link to buy that comic through our Amazon link. You get your comic book, mm-hmm. a little bit comes our way, mm-hmm. a little bit helps. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's a few mm-hmm. cents for that purchase, sure. it all adds up in the long run. And I know a lot of people would love to buy comics through the Major Spoilers website if that yeah. meant help, helping us and they still got the delivery of their mm-hmm. comics. I think the impulse buy 
feature of having that, you know, that affiliate is really good because the only time yeah. that I do a mass binge buy of of uh, digital comics is if I have that Comixology app open and I go into that store. But if I'm on someone's website and I see, oh, here's a new quadcopter for sale. Oh, yeah, I'll click on that and buy it. Or, oh, here's this new set of batteries that I need. I'll <laughs> click on that and buy it. And so it's easy for me to do that binge um, binge purchasing. And if we could, if it happens, I doubt it will. But if we did see a price reduction, that would be even better. Mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if uh, Amazon and Comixology could work out uh, a deal where if you buy a physical copy through Amazon, you get the copy through Comixology as well. I'm sure that you could. Cool. But see, that's the that's the weird thing is, you know, um, Amazon, to my knowledge, doesn't sell brand new issues. You know, they'll sell single mm-hmm. issues, but they're usually a couple of weeks old, months old. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know if they would want to get into that physical delivery business. But Trades. electronic electronic yeah. business, man, that would be awesome. I, I know I would like it. And, I'm, yeah. and, I'm, and again, mm-hmm. we wouldn't, you know make the site look so you know cluttered with uh, <laughs> links to 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 a books but you know if someone wants to buy you know one of the books that we're talking about tonight like star mage or something like that they that have that option cool. right mm-hmm. there so i like that i uh is there anything negative matthew that comes out of this is there anything that you're like oh this is this is terrible oh. or this is something that we should be concerned well, my, about my general hatred of everything being owned by the same people I right, mean, right. That you know, we make the joke that everything is owned by the same six corporations. Amazon having control of Comixology basically means that if, for instance, something that Comixology does, you know, what, whatever, say, Comixology is uh, sending out books with a W in the title, but Amazon's policy states that they don't do Ws. I mean, it could lead to changes in policy that may affect readers of comicsology books or, you know, it, it may affect the way those things are distributed. But, I mean, it, except in as much as we all have that fear of everything's going to go into the pocket of, you know, the engulf and devour corporation. I don't know that the announcement has put up any giant red flags as of this sure. point. Sure, sure, sure. Ask me in six months. Well, I think one last thing here, I think the other thing that's kind of uh, telling is that this deal is going through with Amazon, a company that's known for electronic delivery of everything with Amazon Prime and physical delivery of things, and that Comixology was not bought by Disney, which owns Marvel, which is one of the big sellers through the Comixology app. Now, there may be – there probably could be some kind of a, you know, uh, trade laws that (laughs) prohibit, you know, the – the owning and distribution aspect of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I find that that, you know, Disney's so focused on maker and whatever else that they're buying up this week that, that um, comiXology was not one of those purchases because they could have picked that up for a dime. Sure. Um, It's it's been a few decades, but I mean, Charlton comics had their own distribution arm. Right, 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 right. And most of the comic book publishers did at one point have their own, own distributors or various distributors that they had to go through. Um, But uh, it makes me it makes me think that we're going to see Amazon pick up on the digital distribution purchasing system because Disney doesn't really have anything like that that delivers. Now, I know that they have a new Disney app that's supposed to deliver, you know, different kinds of shows and stuff. But that's a monthly purchase and not a per item purchase or a subscription Mm -hmm. purchase or anything like that. So, yeah, in six months, let's see where this uh, where this sits. I'm kind of excited about it. I think there's some some huge possibilities there. Um, huge possibilities for Dick Grayson. <laughs> he's not going to die. Well, that, of course he's not. A, 
is I've been not saying this die. for six months. But they're he not is, gonna kill Icarus. He is going to stop being Nightwing. You know, in the um what is it, Forever Evil series, he was unmasked. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that Dick Grayson is now Nightwing. I don't know if they right. killed the Nightwing character and Batman is essentially telling Nightwing to go or Dick to go do something else. But um apparently that's something else that he's going to be doing is work for uh, the International Spy Agency Spiral, an organization created by writer Grant Morrison in his Batman Incorporated series. Uh, this uh, first issue will be written by Tim Seeley and Tom King. It's set to premiere July 2nd and uh, has Dick Grayson uh, pointing a gun instead of pointing a uh, batarang. Interesting. I, I find this interesting on a number of different levels. First of all, I don't know why they chose Spiral instead of um, Checkmate. You know, Jack Grayson, is, agent of to my Checkmate. knowledge, not around in the new 52. What a perfect way to introduce it. Here's this super secret organization that you haven't even heard of. That they've What's now, that weird group that uh, Frankenstein was working for? Shade? Shade. Shade. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just rather kind of surprised. I hope the series works, but it, I didn't we see. I mean, we know that Dick did his stint as a police officer at Bloodhaven at one point. But didn't right. they do what was the series where it was like blankety blank character agent of. Um, there was a checkmate title. No, no, like agent there was of an amalgam title that was Bruce Wayne, oh, agent Bruce of Shield. Wayne, agent of shield. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is my question about this. Mm hmm. Okay, so Dick Grayson's identity is public, that right. he was Nightwing. Exactly. you Nightwing got the same question is, I have. Nightwing is an associate of Batman. Dick Grayson is the adoptive son of, of uh, well, I don't know if he is anymore, because, you know, we are not allowed to have uh, marriage right. or, or, or friendship or, or associates or anything. <laughs> or sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. So Nightwing is at least partially known to be associated with Bruce Wayne. Well, but Bruce Wayne is also known to be associated with uh, Batman because if they're bringing in Batman Incorporated's spiral agency, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne did come out and form Batman Inc. and say, I'm Bruce Wayne and I support Batman and I work with Batman. So, you know, there could be this thing that, yes, Bruce knew that Dick was. Nightwing or Robin or whatever, and because of his relationship with Batman, he could have given it up. But I thought you were going in a different direction with your question. I thought you were oh. going to ask if people already know that Dick Grayson is Nightwing. How effective is he going to be as a secret agent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bond, James Bond. Yeah, exactly. That's that is a good question. And you know, the one thing that you will run into in any spy story. Is the inevitable betrayal and, you know, being stabbed in the back by a beautiful girl. Right. I'm wondering, you know, if if they were if he was publicly outed by the crime syndicate and the whole world saw this, mm-hmm. that is I mean, that's a very good point. How is he ever going to be? Uh, well, I think I think it'll be easy because he's a spy in the DC universe and all you have to do is wear a pair of glasses and nobody can recognize. <laughs> so he's just going to have to put on a pair of glasses. Since That's we don't call. have any uh, super secret agent uh, organizations, I mean, we have uh, the Justice League of America with Amanda Waller. Didn't we had the Suicide Squad um, oh. or maybe it's still ongoing. I don't remember. Um, is this... Is this an attempt by DC to try to capitalize on some of this Captain America, Hawkeye kind of uh, fervor? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's 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 uh, 
you know, you used to have like spy stuff like James Bond. And then at the end of the Cold War, there that was clearly in decline. Like nobody was really interested in that anymore. But I think um, and it's I, I don't know if it's through actual world events that people have so- suddenly started picking up on the spy vibe again. I think it's a generational thing. I think mm-hmm. enough kids watched um GoldenEye, and now they're old enough to spend money on stuff, and they're like, hey, you know what I miss? GoldenEye. <laughs> Dr. Dinosaur <laughs> says, uh, Involve Spiral is a completely original way to go with the character, and it may be possibly one of the most idiotic things DC has done in their recent history. But this does fit with their terrible current 90s-esque aesthetic. Everyone in the new 52 is Steve Trevor, and Steve Trevor is a Call of Duty character crossed with 90s Marvel. So, uh, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm. Harsh, but not necessarily entirely not factual. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> Wait, did I double negative myself? I think you did. There is there is a grain of truth at the yes. center of these these assertions. Yes, is what I meant to say. Um, Galen X. I don't know how to say this guy's name. Uh, I can't believe <laughs> I'm saying this, but I think I may have actually preferred them killing the character off over this. Uh, followed up by Richard, who says, I'm not. I want Dick to stay in the DC universe, and this beats either killing him or shipping off to an alternate universe. I still liked him better as Nightwing. I'll certainly give this a try. Let's be honest. There's a ton of ideas that sound bad at first glance, but after stories like the Winter Soldier and the Superior Spider-Man, I've been proven wrong so many times. I have to give this a try. Oh, a valid point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of those did sound super stupid. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes <laughs> they still do. Yeah. Uh, WebSnap says, I actually like this idea a lot. I like that there is no going back from him being unmasked for too long. There's always been an easy way out with no consequences, a magic button or power, letting something something easily be undone that has major ramifications. Grayson has been stuck for far too long between not being Robin anymore and not ever being Batman. As great as Nightwing can be, he was only ever Batman Jr. We know in Batman Beyond, Grayson and Bruce are estranged and that Grayson uses different tactics. Maybe now we find out how it all went down. And that's one of the big things that you see right there on the cover, um, uh, uh, young Zach, Mm -hmm. is uh, Dick pointing a gun right at you. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, as far as story, whatever, about uh, Dick Grayson no longer being Nightwing, I can't comment much. But I can say that that cover is not good. You don't like it? No, mainly I because like the gun. There's two. There's two different perspectives being used. It's a wide-angle shot to get yeah, the perspective yeah. of the gun, yeah. but it's telephoto to get it collapsed against his face that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not cool. Hmm. So his face should be really blurry. His face should be really yeah, f- yeah, yeah. Well, there's maybe enough light in there to where you can sure. still get a depth of maybe. field off of that. So no, no, couldn't happen. I just, I just think it sucks that he's uh, breaking in and shooting up the bat enclosure at the zoo <laughs> and traveling through the uh, time tunnel in the process. So. Yes, yes. yes. But you know, it, it's at least good to see that Catwoman isn't the only person who has to be in anatomically impossible situations in super tight pants on her covers. I don't know if those so, pants are know. super tight. Those got some bags in them. Yeah, some cargo pants. Yeah, he's, got, um, he's got straps around the around them yeah, to, yeah, to keep them yeah. tight. Yeah, he doesn't you want, want the bats to wear get those in there. pants. Wear those pants. Tell me they're not uncomfortable. That's all I'm I'll saying. wear those pants. 
<laughs> Zach All probably right. would. Hey, we want to thank and everyone. Zach made it weird. We want to thank everyone who is a, a VIP member, whether you're contributing at $2 a month as a bronze member, or if you're one of our $10 a month regular contributors, like some of those that we shouted out at the top of the show. We really, 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 truly, honestly appreciate everything that you do to help us out, because what you're doing is you're helping us create more content for you. It's kind of like this weird circle. We've got the funding to do more. We create more. There's more uh, euphoria that uh, kicks in. Uh, for you, all and those chemicals, don't all mind. those chemicals, endorphins get released every time you uh, download a new episode of Critical Hit, or you head over to the Major Spoilers website, or you listen to uh, Zach on Film or Dueling Reviews, or any of the other. I counted up the other day ten ten shows that we have in the Major Spoilers Podcast Ooh. Network. It's all possible in part because of all of you fantastic VIP members. And if you're not a VIP member and you can afford something as small as two dollars a month, if this show is worth a quarter a quarter an episode, uh, you can become a VIP member by heading over to members.majorspoilers.com. There's some extra stuff over there. For example, you can uh, check out our monthly bonus tracks. Uh, in the month of April, we've got the Muppets. You can download that audio file. You can fire up the original Muppet movie, and you can listen along as, uh, who is it, Zach and... No, it's oh no, it's it's Rob, it's Rob and Rodrigo and I sit yeah, down I do and provide Muppets, commentary yeah. track for the Muppets. And in May... You're going to want to be a VIP member because Zach and I sat down and did Thor the Dark World. Yeah. So that should be interesting. Uh, there's all sorts of other things over there. Some behind the scenes stuff, some original art. Um, we are almost ready to do our critical hit um, expansion pack from Munchkin. All yeah, going to be cool. over there for That'd our VIP cool. members. Members.majorspoilers.com. We really, really want to thank you for all of your support. Oh, I forgot to mention we also have uh, for our gold members a monthly live chat. Zach and I did a live oh. chat this month. Yeah, I mean, we, were, we talked about uh, what did we talk about? We talked about uh, Zach's we talked about marriage. Stuff. You know, yeah, Zach's wedding. We talked about fezes. Yeah. We wore fezes. Yeah, it was fun. We answered some questions about how we put together this show. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. A lot of good stuff. And you can catch those archives over at members.majorspoilers.com as well. Okay, everybody, let us get to some reviews. Review. So uh, this week from, I think this is IDW Publishing, yeah, Star Mage number one of six, a six-part series. This uh, is a story about a young kid who's getting the cr uh, crap uh, kicked out of him by the high school bully. Uh, he's getting run up a flagpole. Um, you know, he likes the cute girl in his uh, class. She kind of likes him. They want to do science projects together. But, um, you know, the, the jocks don't like the nerds. And um, he's kind of got a sad story, Darian. Uh, his his mother died some point when he was much younger, uh, and his father is an astronaut. And his father was going to be one of the first people to uh, land on Mars. But unfortunately, right at the last minute, as the uh, ship was about to touch down on Mars, something happened and his father died or is missing in action. And everyone's blaming the father for um, basically essentially ruining the space program because – now they spend all this money and the father's not there and he human error blew it up. And so now here's this kid orphaned all along, all alone. And um, so now he's up here at this top of this flagpole. And he's like, oh, if I can only just get out of this, this tanglement. And suddenly this little spiral galaxy forms around his hands and he magically pops out and he lands on the ground, floats safely to the ground and doesn't understand what's going on. But he's able to escape. Yay, good for him. He's got some crazy powers. And then 
a dude shows up at his house and is basically like, Hello, Star Mage. You have been chosen to defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Well, not quite like that. But essentially, he's been told that his family is a race of Star Mages uh, that are going to get ready to battle something terrible that's coming. And oh, by the way, where are your parents? My parents are dead. And what the hell is a Star Mage? Oh, my God. You have no training at all, son. This is not good because we're almost at our destination. So this is a big setup about this kid who discovers that he has magic, not unlike Harry Potter, but um, also set against the uh, the stars and um, alien races who are necromancers. Sounds like an interesting setup, at least from the story point. It's only six issues. I'm probably going to pick up at least the next two to just see what happens next. The art by Ray Dillon is not bad. Um, you know, I think it, I think it's fairly solid. The first issue though, does move very quickly and uses so many tropes that, um, it's only because I want to see what the first real adventure this kid gets into or the first encounter where he has to use his magic. I, just because I want to see that, uh, is the reason why I'm coming back. Otherwise, this is a fairly average comic. I think if you're into magic and you're into space and you're into space magic, then I think you're really gonna gonna like Star Mage number one, but I'm giving it two and a half slices of meatloaf. It could go either way depending on what your tastes are. So that is out this week from IDW Publishing. Matthew, you had a little bit of excitement this week with one Kurt Busiek. Uh, I did. He totally talked to me. I was like, I was just on the internet, and I was like, here I am on the internet, derpy derp, and somebody said something stupid, and Kurt Wait, Busiek it's went, the internet. Well, that shouldn't be surprising." Uh, I know, right? And Kurt Busiek said, well, farna farna foo for fa. And I said, and also fa fa fa. And Kurt Busiek says to me, or rather attributed my name and answered my question. And then I went squee and I said something cool back. And he said, hey, that's pretty awesome. Here's that thing you were talking about. And I went, oh, my God, Kurt Busiek talked to me. <laughs> it was like the coolest thing ever. If you ever want to know what it, makes it, me squeal like, like a 10-year-old girl. Is it like that time now. that you met Gail Simone at the comic book convention and she totally knew who you were? <clears throat> it's like that time where the words that I want to say to you are inappropriate and would cause us to have an adult tag. And because of my years of professionalism, I will not slap the taste out of your mouth, metaphorically speaking. And on that note... Astro, Astro City number 11 City. came out this week. Kurt Busiek, Brent Anderson, and of course, Alex Ross. Just on this the is cover, one of the though. few places. Yeah, this is one of the few places that I love Alex Ross because he does covers and he does layouts for the covers and the covers are always really nice. And he, I don't think he colors his own covers because the, well, let's be honest, the colors look good on the cover of Astro City. But Astro City number 11. This is a great series. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to let you know about my bias. I've been reading this series since like 1996. Yeah, when it first And came every out. issue, I read it and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and Astro City basically takes a look at the bits and pieces of comic book ephemera and says, hey, how does this actually go? And it gives us a different perspective. This issue is all about the Silver Adept who, for all intents and purposes, is Doctor Strange in the 70s, the Sorcerer Supreme of an entire dimension, basically. And the Silver Adept has a lot of things to do, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of stuff to keep track of. And so 
she has a personal assistant. This is the story of her personal assistant. It starts out with her showing up at the house. And of course, she wakes up the boss and the boss was up way too late in another dimension, eating what she hopes was sushi. And then she has, you know, to get her off on, under her day. It's really cool to see Brent Anderson working with magic stuff. Yeah. There are just things here and there. Uh, she has a couple of pets that are basically cats, only they are not creatures seen on this planet. They're like these weird squirrel camel creatures. But they look like cryptids that could really exist. And when the silver adept picks up her lunch, she doesn't actually touch it. She just sort of levitates it completely without thinking about it. Really, really cool stuff. And as the story goes on, we see the personal assistant trying to keep her boss on task. And you would think that this would be duller than camel dung. And it's really not. It's really fascinating. There are some concepts in here that make me so mad because they're so clever and so awesome. And in the context of Astro City, they are literally just little bits of, of, of cake frosting because they're not even the, the coolest things in the book. Stuff so cool that you would have to labor for weeks to come up with. Oh, that's just something that he tosses aside. The back door of the Silver Adept's house leads to this beautiful vista. No one's exactly sure where it is because there's a spell on the door that takes you back there. But <laughs> I'm so jealous of Kurt Beauty, I guess, a writer. Anyway, the basic gist of the story, and I don't want to give it away because it does have a pretty wonderful twist, is what happens when your date book isn't up to date and you are the most powerful, you know, mystical creature in the known universe. This looks really good. This reads really smooth. Uh, Astro City is always a good book, but I think the last one that I liked this much from cover to cover was probably issue one of the new relaunch. Yeah, is that the one that had the closed with the insane asylum or in the psych ward? Uh, uh, with the broken man? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that was three. Oh, okay. One is the one where the, the ancient oh, giant creature yes. from another planet yes. shows up and he's yes. like, wait a moment, it's here in my book. <laughs> right. I remember that one. Sorry, that one was good. sorry. Yeah. And they, they're opening the door and it was a really great introduction to the world, but it was also an introduction to the fact that your average Astro City issue is a pretty great comic. This one is a little pretty greater than that. It has some fascinating design work in it. It has, once again, a character will show up and you'll be like, that is like the greatest name ever. And these minor side characters feel like they have decades of backstory behind them. They, they, they lock into those archetypes where you're like, okay, this is not the Dread Dormammu. But this is a character who, if this story were a Stephen Strange story would be in the role of the Dread Dormammu, if that makes yeah. any sense. No, it does. Yeah. So as I go through this issue, I really, really, really want you to know that you need to just go read Astro City already. Four and a half slices of meatloaf. Just shut up and read the Astro City. Nope. Nope. Don't you argue with me. Young lady, I will send you to your room with nothing but dessert. So you go read the Astro City right now. Is it uh, age appropriate? Yes, this issue is, and even, you know, the issues that aren't 100% age appropriate aren't necessarily inappropriate because of violence or sexuality so much as they are because of 
adult thought processes that might keep you awake for a month at a time, you know, positing the reasons for your own demise. Ah, okay. So, you know, it's a thing. All right. Cool. All right. So uh, magic involved in Astro City number 11, magic involved in yes. Star Mage number one. Is there magic involved yes. in Skinned number one, Zach? Uh, no. There is Dad, just it. technology. Oh, okay. Well, technology can be magic. Sure, sure, sure. Technology can be explained. Well, as magic. Arthur C. Clarke said they're the same thing. Uh, so Skinned comes out this week. This week. From Monkey Brains is Monkey number one. Brains. It is 99 cents. And it is like 20 pages of interesting stuff. So the idea behind Skinned is that there is this company called Occupy. Ah, with a little pie symbol? No, it's and then I as in your eyeball. I see. And so what this company does, it is a lens you put into your eye. Oh, neat. And it allows you to adjust the world you see. So we're introduced to this very beginning of the book where um, there is a birth happening. And the husband wants her wife to feel more at ease. So they he initiates a system and switches their perspective from like a futuristic kind of looking one to back to like Middle Eastern royalty. Oh, so in other words, if we were like in this room, right, and I was looking through this and it was adjusted this way, this would look like brick wall and Victorian architecture sure. and all that kind of stuff. But if I wanted it to look future, it'd be all like slick steel, right? And, and you cool would just lighting. decide you wanted to see that. Okay. But the fun thing is, you could see it one way, I could see a completely different way. Both interactions would be happening the same. Interesting. Seems yeah. like a great way to start a fight. Sure, uh, but. To my knowledge, no one knows you are seeing it any different. Oh, okay. So you just go about your lives and your interactions are the same. You Everything just looks kind of different. Um, it, it comes off at the beginning and they kind of get into the, um, the, the big quandary of the whole idea of not seeing things uh, the way they are. I mean, the, the tagline for the, the company is because, uh, it says because reality is a disease. And so they have this baby and they're about ready to initiate, uh, whatever, initiate the occupy, uh, things in her eyes. And the daughter, the older daughter of this couple comes in and says, you guys shouldn't do this. She needs to understand what true world is before you allow her to change her perspective mm-hmm. on the way things really are. And mm-hmm. I believe the, the people having the baby are the creators of the company. I see. Um, so the fun thing about the art is uh, it's switching between the 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 viewpoint of the character who is kind of in focus. Mm-hmm. So the parents are seeing it one way. The girl is kind of rebellious, so she is kind of all in punk gear. And so you see all of her parents in like a mohawk with a crazy handlebar mustache. And oh, her, so it her, affects even the people that you're looking at too. Yeah, I, absolutely. Okay. So it pretty much just changes everything. Uh, and then we see a boy who is our second main character. The first main character is the girl. And then there's this boy who um, can figure out how to hack a system mm-hmm. and change the perspective of everyone. Hmm. And he just does it for like like four panels. He switches the perspective of everyone. And then uh, the overlord called Iris takes over and switches back to what everyone else is oh, saying. Oh, thank goodness it's called Iris. Yeah. 
The uh, awful loaf was called like Brother Eye. Yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> and uh, so then it goes on from there with a uh, interesting ending and conclusion that um, felt a little clumsy, or maybe I, I've read the issue twice, uh, mainly because it's uh, you got to kind of keep up with who's kind of in focus, and that's I mean that's just fun to see whose perspective and how they want to see the world. Sure. Um, the ending felt. I think more will be explained in the coming issue, certainly. Uh, but it felt kind of um, rushed and not completely explained into the fullest. And so, certainly you should pick this up. It's only 99 cents. And um, I love the art. The art is nice. It's very clean. And I like how everyone is a distinct character. No mm-hmm. matter what uh, viewpoint they're looking for them or how crazy they look, they're all very distinct characters. And you can still tell who is who. Uh, even depending on what style they're shown in. So that's very nice. I like the coloring. I like the line work. It's very clean. And I'm fascinated by this concept and story idea. So I'm going to stick with Skinned for for uh, the foreseeable future. Because I'm, uh, I'm completely interested in this world. So I'm going to give it uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Out this week from from Monkey Brain Comics. You know, the first weekend in May is going to be fantastic, Matthew. Why on, is that? On Steve? May 2nd, we have The Amazing Spider-Man 2 arriving Ooh, in theaters Spider. nationwide. And then on Ooh. Sunday, May 4th, yeah. Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Yeah. Cannot wait for that. But sandwiched in between that awesomeness, Matthew, we have something yes. called Free Comic Book Day. Coming up on May 3rd, 2014, (laughs) where you can go to a store and you can get, depending on the store, every store is going to be different. So I'm going to give you a heads up now. 62 different books coming out for free comic book day this year. 62. We've got, and I think we've got about 40 of them sitting here. Wow. Um, Some of them have been sent to us digitally. The print ones we're not supposed to review until April 29th, but Rodrigo. Uh, Comics mm-hmm. Tribe went ahead and sent us a, a digital copy of Epic Number Zero, and they didn't say we could not review it before uh, <laughs> April 29th. <laughs> oh, good. Because that's what I read for I today. Because <laughs> after I saw that, I was like, ah, I better check and make sure. And I was like, nope, it doesn't say embargoed. So go right ahead, my friend. Well, thanks for double checking, because I definitely didn't see that either. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, let's talk about Epic, a comic-style book uh, that you can, in fact, get for free on Free Comic Book Day, depending on where you go. Um, Epic is the story of a young man who has superpowers, and he fights supervillains, and it's kind of, uh, it starts, you know, in, in media res, as, as a lot of his uh, supervillains team up to take him down. And then from there, it kind of goes into, like, how did this all start? And then you get the uh, story of how it all started. Um, I am uh, pretty, uh, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with this story. I'm, 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 I'm really on the fence because uh, on the one side, it's pretty cute and clever and it's got you know a cool design for things and everything but on the other hand it is basic comics like 
the the main character, a 16-year-old white boy, uh, gains superpowers through an industrial accident. Um, he's got a nerdy friend who helps him out, a love interest who is like, maybe. Um, there's like one lady with superpowers. Her superpower is being sexy. Um, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> it, there's yeah, I mean there's so much about this that is so familiar and not very much that is new or different other than the names used or maybe very slight particular things about the world um, the, the the biggest um, kind of uh separation that this has from your standard comics is that the main character who basically has all the powers of a king and all the powers of Superman um, <laughs> is uh, his his kryptonite as it were is basically uh, getting sexually aroused as far as I can tell um, if he sees a pretty lady his powers disconnect and and this and this guy is um pretty bad because um he like tries to rescue a girl like he tries to rescue a, an attractive girl from a burning building and his powers uh go out and i was like wow this kid is a hornball if he can't like <laughs> just just you know she's like pinned against a wall guy like i mean that's you know uh, i don't know but uh yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, like I said, there's a few things about it that are interesting or clever. If you think that, if you feel that that premise of a superhero who's super powerful, except uh, when he starts thinking about girls, um, is is something that you're interested in, and then you know, there's that's certainly. Uh, Something that you should check out. The art is okay. I don't have a problem with it. You can usually tell who the characters are. The the designs are pretty strong. Um, there are um, multiple people of color in it. His best friend, love interest, and the guy who runs the company that accidentally mutates him are all people of color. Of course, the protagonist is still a white kid. Um, but what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, I mean, this is definitely a comic book, like in, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, <laughs> this is a comic book. It has a comic book story, comic book tropes, and it's pretty comic booky and not much else. So I'm going to give this one two and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, if you see it on free comic book day, well, it's free, so you might as well pick it up. <laughs> um, but I wasn't, I never managed to be impressed by it. Okay. Well, if anyone is impressed by it, the first issue comes out the week after Free Comic Book Day. Oh. So people can there look forward go. to that. All right. Our good friend, Russ Cat from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I don't know if he originally sent the, uh, the video link to the new uh, Marvel Digimon series uh, that Matthew and I saw earlier this week. I'd seen that. I'd seen the premise for the show before. But uh, he called in this week, and he offers up his review of the new show. 
Hey, Major Spoilers. It's Russ Cat from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, Colin. And I just wanted to talk a little bit today about uh, one of the new animes that has just uh, premiered over the past couple weeks, um, Marvel Disc Wars, The Avengers. Um, it was teased on the site about six months ago. Um, Marvel Studios and Disney Japan, uh, along with the Toei Animation Company, have made this anime. Um, the Toei Animation Company, I mentioned, uh, because they've been making cartoons for many years. Uh, some of the notable examples of what they have made are the Transformers, uh, Gem and the Holograms, and most recently, uh, Digimon Digital Monsters. I bring this up because um, because Marvel went with Toei, it really put the this show in a certain age range. This is a 6 to 12 year old um, age range anime. Um, the basic plot of it is that um, Tony Stark in the Marvel Universe um, had a professor from Japan help him create a new technology, these power disks, which were supposed to digitize and hold Marvel criminals. So instead of having to use big, um, expansive facilities like the raft to hold people, you can just keep them in these little disks. Sounds like a great idea until Loki gets involved and uh, usurps a bunch of these disks and eventually, uh, in a subsequent episode, will trap all of the Marvel heroes in these disks, which will then be rescued by a bunch of plucky young uh, kids uh, who will use the trapped Marvel heroes to fight Marvel villains, also trapped in disks, um, to save the world from Loki. Sounds like a great little plot. Um, I've watched the first two episodes. They're pretty decent. Um, I enjoy some of the characterizations that they're giving these characters. The, the world that they're building is, I'll say, in between the Avengers Assemble um, animated series from a couple years ago and the Marvel movie uh, series. Um, in terms of character design and characterization and such. Um, but so far, I like where it's going. Um, a lot of heroes have been introduced in the first couple of episodes. Aside from the main core of Avengers, you also get uh, X-Men like Cyclops and the Beast, um, Iron Fist, um, and also other characters like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, from the first two episodes, I'll give it a solid three slices of meatloaf out of five and we'll see where it goes from here so um for people in north america you have two choices for finding the show you can either wait six months to a year before they start bringing it over to north america or if you're uh slightly more pirate bent you can do some minor google searching and you can find these episodes pretty quick um but if you're interested in such things give it a watch um, thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night. Thank you for that, Digimon. Russ. And, uh, oh, man, I when I lived in California, that's when Digimon hit. And I love watching mm. that show on Sunday mornings. It's an awesome show. Go to Carl's Jr., get my breakfast burritos, <laughs> and then come back and sit down and watch Digimon, Digital Monsters. But it had that it had that theme that made Digimon, you want to kill. Digital Monsters, Digimon, mm-hmm, Digital mm-hmm, Monsters. Mm-hmm. Heroes in a half shell. Digipower. <laughs> <laughs> Digimon makes you kill things. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you can head that over to MajorSpoilers.com. You can Such check out uh, 
reviews, reviews, and more reviews. There's a lot of them over there. You can check out sneak peeks if you're wanting to know what's coming out in the week ahead. You can find out cool podcasts. You can find commentary. You can find um, all sorts of cool things at Majorspoilers.com, including the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Poll of the Week, 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 uh, so this week I was thinking about Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Were you? I was. Why? Because the good one. Oh, okay. The one they just released. Yeah, the, the one where Spock dies. Huh? <laughs> Spoiler Z- alert. Zachary Godzilla. Never mind. Don't worry, I haven't seen the new one. Or the original. Zach, are you serious? Yeah. I've how seen, is it? How is it that you've I've made it this one... far in your life? And you have been exposed to so little pop culture. So I, uh, okay, I know the answer, well, Quinter. Well, okay, so I'm just curious. No, that's pretty close. My dad <laughs> um, read comics he when for, he was he little. He forbid any music in the town, and uh, no dancing yeah, was allowed. Yeah, yeah. So our only fun was tractor chicken races. Oh, uh, that actually sounds pretty fun. But uh, and there was that one time Star Kevin Wars Bacon took was dance. a big thing in our house. Still yes, is to this yes. day. Star Wars is awesome forever. Uh-huh. Did your dad listen to the show? No. Hello, Mr. Wolf. God, no. <laughs> uh, they don't really know what a podcast is oh, okay. or very much of the internet. Okay. Uh, so Star Wars was big. He never watched Star Trek. So the first thing I've ever seen of Star Trek was that first time that thing that started off Zach on film was when you're like, you've never watched the new Star Trek. You should yeah, go yeah. watch new, that. And that was the first time I've ever seen Star Trek. Okay. Uh, so, no, I have not been exposed to a whole lot. Okay. I mean, I'm not uh, putting you down no, no, because, again, uh, I didn't mention it. I mentioned it before we recorded. Today was the day I gave my annual Citizen Kane speech yeah. uh, presentation to my class. And of the 15 <laughs> students in the class, only three of them raised their hand when I asked them if they'd watched Citizen Kane. Even after I had been assigning and telling them mm-hmm. that we were going to have this discussion for two weeks, still only three people raised their hand. But sure. after the discussion, they seemed a little bit more understanding of why – in order to understand pop culture, you may have to go back a little further than 1991. Right. And now, is uh, that the speech that goes, raise your hand if it was a sled? No, not that one. Uh, oh, okay. I, I found Star Trek interesting when I watched the, the redo reboot thing. Um, and <laughs> do over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to like I, I find the concept interesting and I like that it's different from Star Wars in tone. But it's like there's so much there. It's like it's like if I start, do I have to watch all of it? So I don't uh, want to. In Wrath of Khan, uh, Spock is in this uh, in this uh, what is it? The radiation chamber, dilithium chamber, whatever it is. Uh, that's actually the warp core. Warp core, sorry. And he yeah. is, uh, yeah. and he's dying. Yeah. And um, Kirk goes, "Well, why did you do this? Why, you know, why? Why didn't you, we could have figured out a way?" And Spock basically says. Sometimes the good of the many, or I'm sorry, sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the needs of the one. Mm-hmm. And so that got me thinking, what is more important, the needs of the many or the needs of the few? Rodrigo? Well, that's an interesting question because uh, to most people, uh, they, I think, would answer the needs of the many. And the, the reason for that is this um, generally unspoken um, 
social contract that we have that we're not all going to stab each other. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you blow it up to simple terms like needs of the many versus needs of of one or just your own needs, um, if everybody's out looking for themselves, then everybody gets stabbed until the least stabbable people are on top. Right. Um, if everybody has kind of a, a more, I don't know, populistic approach, if everybody thinks that the needs of the many are better, then even people who are bad at stabbing other people or are good at being stabbed get to survive. So generally speaking, uh, most people, uh, at least up until an opportunity uh, appear, like presents itself, will say the needs of the many. And, and as, as someone who is definitely a part of society and not at all a space fungus pretending to be human, um, <laughs> I, I will also say the needs of the many. What do you mean you're a space fungus? I, did, I said I wasn't. You oh. said he's not a space fungus. That's exactly what a space fungus would say. And he's clearly not a fifth-dimensional mathematical construct whose body wouldn't fit into a normal-sized human and had to pretend to be a fat guy. There you go. That's right. I, I, yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, insight there, Rodrigo. Zach, do you have uh, a different thought? Uh, no, not really. I think the needs of the many is a good idea. And uh, when you start narrowing down your focus to needs of the few... You have to pick which few and this few encapsulate the ideas and needs of more people or is it just going to benefit a select group of people, which then leaves many people destitute and not and uh, like in a place where they can't really survive. So, you know, just a kind of a moral question. I think somebody actually pointed this out in in the comment section. Um, Rayshaw Ghoul is bad guy or we would assume that he's a bad guy. But uh, mm-hmm. according to him, he has this theory that if he could get rid of one fourth of the Earth's population, it would save the Earth and thus save everyone else on the Earth and allow them to live longer without, you know, extinguishing themselves, uh, which seems very noble. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. you know, the, the good of the many. We have to save the larger population by cutting out 25 percent of the population. But somehow that doesn't seem like it quite lines up well, with that um... philosophy. Uh, could well, you con- could you commit, of, that could you of, com- commit mass genocide? Well, that was to save a everybody. Dilemma that came you up have, in you a have recent another issue blockbuster there. movie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You you have a secondary issue of you know just the the basic morality right. of killing anyone for any reason. Right, right. You know, so it's 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 a complicated issue in and of itself. Well, how do you answer the question, Matthew? Well, it's tough because. This is a question that is kind of at the base of a lot of really controversial topics. It is. I mean, it really is. This, this is this is at the base of many of the political snafus we've been seeing for the last couple of years, and both sides of the argument are equally uh, ontologically, if that's the correct word, correct. Again, for lack of a better word, because when you say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, what that means is when Spock sacrifices himself so that not everyone dies at the hand of Khan, he has done something well. The needs of the many have been served at Spock's. But in the very next movie, Kirk sacrifices nearly everything, the ship itself, and almost ends his career to bring back his friend, thereby reversing the expectation because his need – or in this case, his need to believe that it was Spock's need 
completely reversed everything that we had said in that previous movie. And it is complicated because if you walk down the street every day and you do stuff and you do your thing, all of us have a tendency to occasionally be selfish. Um, I had a friend whose father would flat out say to you, and this is a direct quote, if you mess with me or mine, I will kill you. And this was this was not something that I took as mere sophistry on Noel's part. I took this as Noel saying, my needs, my family's needs, I will end you if anything were to happen. Thankfully, I never tested him on that. So it, it, it really is complicated and it is difficult. And I think that humans need on some level to be occasionally a little bit self-oriented, self-interested. I, you know, I hesitate to say self-ish. Well, but no, but that's, there are times when you, I, I think that is you, ha- you have to make those decisions. And you know, it's, it's really, I don't know if it's, it's odd. It's strange to me because this is a very tough question. And, and I don't think that there is a, and just because you vote one way or, a, or another in this poll, I don't think that it is a poor or good reflection on you. It's just the mm-hmm. way that you're viewing that question at the moment, because to me, it seems like, you know, let's go back. 100, 150 years, just after the Civil War, um, and we are in small communities, and small communities generally need to stick together, and we need to do mm-hmm. things together. We need to do bring in the harvest together. We need to survive together. We need to defend our community together from whatever forces are trying to bring us down. But then as our society has grown, and even though we've become even more connected via cell phone, via websites, via internet forums, or whatever that, that that may be, it seems like we've gone further and further apart, and now it's more all about me. I mean, the 80s was the, this me generation. Or, isn't, mm-hmm. is that the, or the 70s, I forget which one. I think the 80s. I think every new better. generation is dubbed the me generation. But it seems like we are more self-absorbed with ourselves than... Mm. Let us come together to do things. And you're right, Matthew. You could look at this from a political standpoint. You could look at this from, you know, the healthcare debate, which has people all up in arms on both sides. You know, the good of everybody yeah. is to ensure that everyone has health care. Yeah. But if that's but, the case, then we're all social. You know, we're socialists. And, you know, but, that's that's wrong thinking because we have to look out for ourselves and we have to do things ourselves. It's really, really tough. Well, it and is. when you when you say that, I mean, a big part of that is the fact that you are asking people who live in the United States. That thought right, is not right. necessarily mm-hmm. present right. in other countries. Exactly. I mean, it is to a certain degree, but United, you know, Americans from the very beginning are taught that you as an individual can be a golden shining star right, and can right. accomplish everything. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in a lot of countries. In a lot of countries, you start out with, you know, here's how you fit into the social machine, mm-hmm. you know, make make the best of it. But, you know, we all get through this together. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, that comes out sometimes because it has to because the United States is still a society, right? Um, but uh, there's a there's a very strong uh, individualistic kick to the United States that's not necessarily present in other mm-hmm. countries. Well, it's and just you know. You there's, at, go ahead. If you look at it, when you see this decision in fiction, specifically. It's generally being parsed as the decision to choose the needs of the few is selfish, is wrong. Mm-hmm. Adrian Veidt mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Adrian Veidt nearly destroying the world, however he did it, depending on how you read, well, to try and bring around world ago, peace. So. Yeah. Right. He's going to murder millions to save billions. But if you if we're talking Star Trek, you have two different sides of the coin. In the original series, you've got um, Edith Keeler, Joan Collins. Kirk has to let her die, even though right. he loves her. Right. Because otherwise, uh, Hitler conquers the Earth and kills everybody. But mm-hmm. then Cisco. During the Dominion War, has to work with Garrick and finally comes to a point where he allows is probably not the right word, but he is a part of Garrick murdering a Romulan ambassador and everyone on that ambassador ship in order to bring the Romulans into the Dominion War on the side of the Federation mm-hmm. and theoretically help turn the tide. Same argument. Kirk is a hero. Garak is a heel, but mm-hmm. it's really, in a lot of ways, the same decision being made. And it, it, it's, it's rare to see the decision like, you know, like Garak being the wrong decision. Usually when someone is saying, well, you know, we're going to consider the needs of the few. They're the villain of the piece. They're the people that we're supposed to not agree with. Mm-hmm. The racial ghoul. Mm-hmm. What I, um, yeah, and, and that's okay. Okay. Um, and again, I know a little, very little about Star Trek, but I'm going to go with, you talked about um, the Spock, Kirk with Khan, and then whatever the third movie's called. When Search you think for Spock. Yeah, sure, there you go. Uh, where he sacrifices a bunch of people or risks people to bring back Spock. Mm-hmm. And I think right. um, both ideas of needs of many or needs of few as story devices work both uh, very well. So Spock is very analytical mm-hmm. and not very emotional. Mm-hmm. And... Um, what he does to save the universe from Khan or whatever uh, can be seen as almost very loving in a sense that he's willing to sacrifice himself to so everyone uh, stay alive. But uh, and Kirk doesn't quite understand that. But I think uh, from an emotional standpoint, that's good. And then the third one, too, that uh, uh, Kirk would risk. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess his life and other people he life he knows to get his, his career, friends back. His ship, sure, yeah. sure, mm-hmm. sure. Everything he's worked up for to get his friend back, I think, also works on a oh, yeah, emotional noble, story. Yeah, it's a noble, and that's, it's a noble cause. And that's where the and I mean, that's, that's fiction the for you. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's 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 fiction. So if you look at something like uh, oh, I don't know, what do we all like? Uh, let's talk about Star Wars. Um, so in Star Wars, uh, Luke Skywalker is a dirt farmer. And then when he when he hears the call, he goes out and and meets his destiny, right? And becomes the awesomest Jedi. Spoilers becomes the awesomest Jedi. <laughs> um, what did, like did, have you guys all seen uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes. No. Yeah. Zach. What Sorry. is? Oh God. What do you do with your time? He's got all right, a pretty so, good-looking fiance. So so thank you. So oh, well. spoiler spoiler alert. Um, the, the moral of the nightmare before Christmas is stick to what you're good at. Don't go out looking for something new. What you need is back home. What you need is the people and your family and everything is already back there for you. There's no reason for you to go look for new things. Both of them, the protagonist learns this very important and complete, these very important and completely contradictory lessons, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's fiction. That's how fiction works. Somebody, you can take a viewpoint and take your character through it. Um, 
and somebody can have the completely opposite viewpoint in a different story, and both of them will totally make sense. Yeah, and I guess I look at it from, you know, here's Mickey Rooney that passed away just recently. But, you know, you look in, in some of his early movies, he's like, hey, let's all get together. Let's all work really hard. Let's put the play on in the in the in the barn yep. and everybody is going to benefit. You know, we are creating something for other people and everybody benefits. So even though we're sacrificing these long hours and we're we're doing the show in the barn and everybody's uh, angry or upset, we still have this passion that we're doing it. And the joy of the community who gets to come and watch this is far more important than. You know, my toes are sore from tap dancing sure. all night. Shut up, Judy Garland. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I guess I kind of look at it from that way. And, and you know, without getting political, yes, I think we need to look out for our fellow man and, and, and do everything that we can. But I also don't think that we can get away from our our general selfish nature yeah, there's always because of the way our own psychology uh, has been built up and probably, you know, uh, what is it called? Not not. uh genetically implanted in our head that you know the self has to take has to take some kind of uh forefront a lot of the times um absolutely so yeah it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough question i think you know genetically speaking those are both there um Mm -hmm. we are social animals we the the reason why humans are on top of the food chain nowadays is because we did develop uh, a brain that allows us to have very complex interactions with mm-hmm. each right. other. Mm-hmm. You know, we succeed because we work together, but there's like at from the cellular level, there's the imperative to keep yourself alive so right. that you can pass on your genes to the next generation. Yeah, there was a great quote from uh, Adam Carolla this this well, a couple of weeks ago I was listening to one of his podcasts late and basically he was saying that Humankind has the ability to do great things or to do nothing based on what is incentivizing them, what, what the incentive is. What's, what's that force for them to actually do that? And it's been retweeted a bunch of times. I, I reposted it because I thought it was a great uh, comment. Um, and I just was like, wow, you know, that's kind of right. I mean, we can do so many great things if that motive is just there. And if we do it together, if that motive is great enough, then, wow, there's nothing, like you said, Rodrigo, nothing that we can't accomplish as a society. Or as a as a race, or as a you know as as citizens of this Mammals. planet, yeah, as as you know the the Homo sapien. Um, Rob this is says an argument that go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. As an adult, though, you have to make small versions of this argument every day in order to just function. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I wake mm-hmm. up at six forty five a.m. and I say, I don't want to go to work. I'm going to blow today off. And then I remember, oh, crap, that kid's going to wake up. And at that point, money's just going to start flying out of my pockets as if by magic. <laughs> well, but that's because or, you're looking you know, at the greater good, the greater good of your, your well, child and your family and the, and the immediate people around you. So you're sacrificing that I'm, extra sleep to go in and make sure that they're taken care of. On right. Tuesday nights, I record in the living room. And my my beloved wife of nearly 20 years has taken it upon herself to leave the living room and hide the child and the cat because in this case, she wants me to be able to do what I do. In this case, my need, the need of the one to go on the Internet and not be a jerk to her, instead be a jerk to Zach, actually helps to enhance the household in in a way to where, you know, maybe instead of. Enhancing your quality of life, maybe she knows that if she exits the room and you're able to do your job, it's actually benefiting the needs of the many people who want to listen to this podcast. 
See, and then you balance and you balance right. and you're constantly back and forth. And then we're cha-chaing. Rob says that a society that fails to respect individual rights is ultimately doomed. The overall good goal should to be provide a greatest good for the greater or the greatest number. Joshua says, I believe it's human nature for most anyway to consider the needs of the majority over their own. It is our species as a whole that has propagated uh, for so long, each generation working harder to provide for the next. Um, let's see. Pierce says, as with most things, it's it's context dependent. In law, it's better to have a guilty man go free than to err on the side of safety and convict an innocent person. In the case of vaccines, I believe this should be mandatory if you attend public schools. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few in, in this instance. As Rob said, we can't uh, we cannot wholesale give up individual rights or we get in seriously hot water like uh, we are now with the complete lack of privacy in many areas of our lives and our quest to be safer from all danger. This is no easy answer. Listeners, we want you to head over to the Major Spoilers uh, website, Majorspoilers.com. You should know it by heart by now. But if you're a first time listener, hello. We get new we get new followers all the time and hello to you. And if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard our trippy little ship here. Our trippy little ship. Matthew, how has the uh, how has the nation voted so far? I believe we have frightened them with the deep philosophical utterances because 67 votes in the bag, usually two or three times that by this point in oh, the game. Yeah. However, we are running about four to one, 79% saying the needs of the many are their primary expectation, 21% saying the needs of the few or the one. And most importly, here's the thing, you're never wrong. Yeah, in this case, I don't think you can With a philosophical thing like this. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I think it's a good discussion. And you will go back and forth. Yeah. We, we will go back and forth like Kirk himself. I mean, it's important to mention that Kirk kind of put a name on this concept for the, for the modern world. And then immediately in his next appearance said, forget all of that. I'm going to go and do the exact opposite. Yeah. So, you know, people, people are on a spectrum and even your own actions will go back and forth from whack yep. job to brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some sure. days, some days I, I feel like it should be all about me and other days it's like, nah, it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be mostly about me. And then most days I rip off my shirt and yell up to the sky, Zach! <laughs> if you that's, that a, the that's a wrath of, that's a wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan. Yeah, no, I know. No, Kirk see, did not rip off I mean, And shirt, we talked about this before, how but I do because you it's don't sexier. have to actually watch a lot of movies to get a lot of references now, yes. thanks to the internet. Yes. Um, yes. I'm up on that. That's true. Okay. All right. I, I get references of things that I have never seen, and the references actually become more important than the material they're referencing. Yeah, sometimes well, we talked on a, yeah, on a Zach on film. On a Zach on film, we talked about the fact that uh, a thousand years later, we are way more familiar with a reference than we are with the original when we talked about it happened one night, which is yeah. uh, at least apocryphally where Bugs Bunny comes from. Yep. Right, right, right. right. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. true. Or, you know, just yeah. the fact that you can say to be or not to be, and most people would would know that that's from something. They may not know that it's Shakespeare. It's from, it's from the Bible, man. It's or you Bible. say Rosebud and people will go, oh, I know that's from somewhere. Isn't that, didn't they do that's that on The Simpsons? The Bible, man. Mm-hmm. And then, well, the you know, you, you ex- extrapolate things out. So yeah. uh, we so want you to they say thou shalt not kill and you know that's from Futurama. No. <laughs> To be or not to be. All we are is dust in the wind. Yes. <laughs> Queen. Matthew 12. <laughs> and lo, did Stone Cold come down the ramp, and did he kicketh the mud holeth in people, and it was good. See how quickly we turn 
So quickly we turned yeah. from deep philosophy to giggles and <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the gospel of Jim Ross. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> listeners, head over to majorspoilers.com, share your thoughts, vote in the major spoilers, vote in the poll of the week, but then also use the comment section to uh to share your thoughts on this. I really thought that Bruce would have jumped in and uh talked about this in depth. This yeah, seems like, like something that's right up stuff. I think he's busy. I think he's working weird swingy shifts. Yeah, I, I talked it, to him this afternoon early yeah. and I think he's on like a three to midnight. Yeah. I think uh, Ron Weird. told me that. So yeah. interesting, 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 interesting listeners. If you want to be like Russ and you want to call in your thoughts, your comments, your views, your reactions, whatever it may be, all you need to do is call the major spoilers hotline. Matthew, do you remember what it is? That number is seven, eight, five, seven, two, seven, nine, in 39 the major spoilers exactly how old do you think i am that my memory would be that well bad? it's usually not in that space <laughs> on the notes as it normally is so i didn't want you to go i don't know where it's at and freak out and go bah! i want you to know something very important Stephen. it is my job to remember numbers Oh, is it? There okay. are numbers at work that I know. I do not know the numbers. I literally know the shape that yes. I am building on the keypad. Do you guys? Oh, yeah. Do you guys? Do you guys number. do that? Do you guys? Uh, I do that a lot too. Where it's passwords, like passwords on my phone uh -huh. that I only remember from shape, from finger movement, yep. from mm -hmm. uh, muscle memory. Do you guys have? Do you to, do that a lot? We used to. Because uh, I mean, we used to have like not cell phones, and we didn't have to like. We used to have like dial numbers in. Like this is how old I am. Is that oh. we, there was a time before there was a cell time phones? Where I had to push buttons. Where we had like phones that you could like pick up from a charger and walk around your house with. It was a long time ago. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, Zachary, uh, the dark ages. Yeah, yeah, it was it was horrible. It does like dial up internet and and anyways. So we would like memorize like or we'd see like what shape someone's number made on the phone. Like someone, oh, one yeah, of our yeah. friends was an arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we. Yeah. And if you if you uh, dial I can't tell phones you a lot, number. you know that. Yeah, you know that the phone numbers on uh, a rotary dial or an old school uh, bippy bippy button phone mm -hmm. have musical tones, actual sound frequencies. Yeah. There's one number I don't know how to dial it, but I know that it starts to play the first seven digits of the merry-go-round broke down. And I'd tell you the number, but then people would start calling it. So I actually have to listen in my head. I press nine for an outside line, and then I dial da 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 da, da which is kind of cool. <laughs> Rodrigo, do you uh, do you see numbers as shapes? Uh, I've I've remembered numbers by trying to duplicate the muscle memory of them, but usually no. I actually remember sequence of number sequences of numbers. I can usually remember about five digits, and that's about it. If it's if it's anything longer, six, seven, eight, nine. If especially anything. Well, actually, though, I do have my credit card memorized. Oh, wow. But yeah. the only and the only way that I can remember that is by remembering the first four digits and then the rest flow out. Because if mm -hmm. you told me what mm -hmm. my second set of four numbers were in the credit card, I probably yeah, couldn't tell you. I'm the same way about number. my. Would you like to know it? <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> no. sure everyone would like to know your. <laughs> no, social I'm, I'm, I'm the same way about both my bank account and the electric company account out mm -hmm. of context can't tell you anything but if i'm calling them directly i know that number because i will think okay blah, 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 blah. but what's really cool this was my stupid human track back when i worked in the call center surrounded by people we would do escalated calls mm -hmm. and what you would do is someone would say i have an escalated call and then you'd sigh melodramatically and you'd bring up the person's account on your computer and my coworkers would all be like okay let me write these down i would say what's the number 
and people would shoot out the 10-digit number. A 10-digit number is easy to remember because it goes three, three, four. Yeah. So you don't have to remember the order of the numbers. You just remember first three, second three, and then the four. So people would go, it's – And by the time they would get back to their desk, I'd have the account up. And this was apparently a thing of, of great fascination to people that you could spit a 10-digit number at me in a place where knowing phone numbers was 80% of my job – that that I actually could remember the phone number, and I never understood why that well, was so Well, it just impressive. amazes me that people can remember dates, you know, dates very easily, um, yeah. you know, remember, you know, like issues and months and years that a certain comic book would have come out. Because I'm terrible at names and I'm that. terrible at dates. Mm-hmm. I can tell you general story concepts and structures, but if you try to say, okay, well, who was the writer of this? I'd be like, huh? I don't know. Mark I can Wade. tell you what I can tell you what the story. Well, yeah, if it's if you're talking about some of my favorite stuff, <laughs> it'd be like Mark Wade. It's always Miller, Mark Wade. Alex Ross. Yeah. Gail Simone. Now you're just you're just trying to bait me. <laughs> I'm not rising to that. It's not going to happen. By the way, you're thinking of Flash 167, which is the one where Mopey comes down out of the sky and goes, "Flash, I am your father." <laughs> I don't think so. I That's don't true. think so. This episode of you the Major Spoilers podcast is being brought to you by Tweaked Audio. You can go to their website at tweakedaudio.com. And uh, get some really cool headphones or some earbuds, I should say. Not headphones. They're not cans. They don't go over your ear. They go in your ear. And they deliver <laughs> smooth sounds. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sexy yes. sounds. Smooth. Matthew, let me hear your sexy voice. A quiet Storm 93.5. Oh, wow. Rodrigo, you go. <laughs> A sexy voice? Yes, sexy voice. Escuche, señorita, deberían de comprar. Oh, 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 I can't handle it. No, 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 I can't handle it. My clothes just too fell much. off. Uh, oh my can we God. just take a time out? Too, I got to go home and change my pants. <laughs> I'm going to need to clean up this chair. Good Woo. Lord. Well, thanks. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'm going to need a mop. Zach? By the way, what he was saying is actually the ingredients of an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> uh... Was that Hello. racist? I apologize. Hello? <laughs> no. Uh, I don't have a sexy voice. <laughs> I, like, I like how it sounded, it really sounded like he was looking through a Rolodex. Uh, <laughs> or like a, like a file folder. Uh, just like a ba, 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 da, da, da. Nope. podcaster. <laughs> nope, no sexy voice in this Rolodex. No. Uh, racist, racist vampire. Nope. No sex. Uh, have to check with the manager. Got if, that. Listeners, if you want to go back and hear Rodrigo's sexy voice in the best way possible, <laughs> you want to get a pair. You, you would want to get a pair of tweaked audio headphones. They're designed for great music and for talk. They're engineered for durability. They work with your iPod, your iPhone, your Android devices. Really, MP, any MP3 player. It's just a regular, you know, a regular uh, mini jack, mm-hmm. eighth inch jack. You can get them with an optional uh, microphone in case you want to plug it into your phone. Six different colors or multiple colors, multiple different styles. They all sound great. And best of all, when you go over to tweakedaudio.com and you buy your pair of headphones and you use the checkout code MAJOR, you're going to get 33% off that price. Nice. 33%. That's like a third off the price. That's good. Tweakedaudio.com. We thank them for their support. Got a question for you, Matthew. What up, Home Skillet? Why are we still so interested in Godzilla? And I guess we could extrapolate that to other giant monsters as well. The Cloverfield monster, that kind of stuff. 
we got a new Godzilla movie coming up in a few, uh, what is it, a few weeks, a few months? A few months, a few weeks. Sometime and, in, in May. And people are so excited about a new Godzilla movie. Yeah. I believe that it is, it is ingrained into humanity at like the lizard brain, that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that shared thing that we have, mm-hmm. to be fascinated because of fear of giant monsters. Humanity doesn't have any natural predators. Tiger. So we, we, no, but that's not, that's not necessarily a predator. These are things that will kill a human, but these are not things that exclusively exist because they kill humans. Snapping turtle. Like (laughs) my cat, shut up. (laughs) My cat will not leave the oven alone, which makes me think I have a mouse in the house. My cat is a natural predator. Well, first of all, it's a he. Second of all, it's an electric oven. And third of all, well, cats the dumb. idea of Mr. Dots pulling a Sylvia Plath in the oven is horrifying. And you should be ashamed of yourself. I will say, though, that Mr. Dots' poetry is haunting, so you yes. should keep an eye on him. Yes. yes. Mr. Dots writes really, really wonderful limericks, too. There was a young mouse behind the stove. <laughs> Anyway, um, somebody better get that mouse out behind the stove before I go nuts. Mr. Tots is not he that uses smart. all lowercase like E.E. E. Cummings, which makes it seem even more profound. But humans, <laughs> I don't imagine have your any... cat as the lol cat, but with like a with like a monocle. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, e. E. he's e. got a beetle haircut too, which is kind of awesome. Anyway, humans walking around, we don't necessarily have to walk around. I don't like have to walk out to the dodge and be afraid that a mega crocodile or a, a ghost shark is going to leap out of nowhere and eat me. Who a sharknado. But some some creatures have to do that. And I think that humanity is fascinated, first of all, by giants in general. I mean, giants are, are a huge thing. The first time people found elephant skeletons, what did they say? Oh, those are giants. Those are cyclopses. With one big eye and they're 10 feet tall. But more importantly with that, Godzilla specifically, you have to look at where Godzilla came from. Godzilla came from the year 1953. And he was born of atomic radiation and atomic fire in the one nation that has ever actually had a massive atomic explosion. So as depressing as that is, Godzilla is is like archetypical. Godzilla is that fear of those terrible conflagrations and, you know, the, the terrible effect that we have on the universe, on the planet, on the environment, whatever it is. And then he's a giant monster who's going to come and show us the error of our ways by eating us and going and lighting us on fire with his atomic breath. So I think that the giant monster thing is is because we don't have to walk around like a mousy behind the stove afraid that Mr. Dots is going to kill and eat us. But it's fun to pretend that we do by watching a good Godzilla movie or even a crappy one with Matthew Broderick. Oh, Mr. Mouse, come out and play. I just want to play with you just for a little bit. A little batting around, a little patting on your head, a little in and out of the mouth. I'm sure that's what I just thinking. want to play around with your internal organs. <laughs> Once you feng shui them, it's actually quite cozy in the kitchen. Rodrigo, is there another reason? Why is Dots English? I don't know. Why not? We, we said right. he was a poet. A, a, a depressed That's poet. True. Yes. Next, next to mouse, of course, America. I eat you. <laughs> Is there another thought on on this Godzilla thing? Uh, I think so. Uh, 
you know, Matthew brought up that, uh, you know, in Godzilla was created. A, a lot of people postulate that Godzilla was created um, out of a, a nation's kind of uh, necessity to rationalize and, and, and kind of essentially, I guess, express um, that, that singular event, that the, the fact that, you know, a, a, a nuclear bomb, which had never happened before and hopefully, you know, won't happen again, um, was, was, was dropped on them. Um, it's interesting to see that when Godzilla comes to the United States and when we see it, the, the closest thing that we have to compare it to are natural disasters, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at uh, the kind of the latest and, uh, I, 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 you know, in this moment in time, greatest um, legacy of Godzilla, you know, Pacific Rim, right. uh, just mm-hmm. because of, you know, it was fairly successful and has really spectacular special effects um you know where do the kaiju come from the kaiju are invaders they're you know this kind of other force from another world that is coming to get us which is very different from what hath man wrought Mm -hmm. which is kind of where godzilla comes from right right um the the idea of a giant monstrosity is resonant because it is dangerous and scary, and we like big, dangerous, scary things mm-hmm. uh, in our media. Uh, but it's interesting to see that the basis of it, the, the basic part of it, is interchangeable depending on the kind of culture or group that is that's putting your monster movie together. Okay. I think it's just because people like to see their society crumble and they like to see something that's not them destroy it <laughs> in the shape. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, there's, there's and honestly if, if yeah. people go back over to the uh, members.majorspoilers.com site where we did the, uh, was it Mothra? Yeah. Ep, uh, movie, the bonus tracks. Mothra. Godzilla is just kind of like want to get from one side of the Island to the other. And all this stuff is just in the way. And he keeps accidentally <laughs> bumping into it with his big giant tail. And he's like, Oops, yeah. sorry, excuse me. Sorry, sorry. So, <laughs> But but I think it's just that we want to see things crash and burn. Zach, well, do you have a thought? The best the best part of that movie the best part of the movie is that they just kind of accidentally run into Godzilla. Like right, there's right, right. the the thing which is you know I think Mothra's baby running right. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But like Godzilla just he just like stumbles into the movie. He's like the mole in uh he's in like Winnie a guest the Pooh. He's like a guest he's appearance. not actually. Yeah, yeah, he's not actually <laughs> supposed to be in this movie. He just kind of accidentally shows up. Oh, hi. Yeah, and then the applause is woo, just to be it's like five minutes of applause. And we were not Godzilla's, expecting a cameo. Godzilla's <laughs> bowing and knocking more buildings over. So, Zach, what were you going to say? No, I, I think you, we've kind of, through the three of you, hit on a lot of it. I think there's a big um, destruction element. We like thing, seeing things explode, especially nowadays. We like our big special effects, and we like seeing things crumble and very loud surround sound uh, with lens flares. And that's always been fascinating to some point because um, destruction um, kind of satisfies a weird part of our brain where we like to see things destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire, fire. Um, so that's so that's part of it, I think. But there's certainly the idea of uh, what have we done to yeah, make yeah. things as bad. Yeah, yeah, cool. And All Godzilla, right. Godzilla for his part is kind of like the Batman mm-hmm. because he wasn't the first giant monster i mean technically i'd say probably king kong first giant monster with a name what like 20 years earlier right 
But, you know, Godzilla is kind of the one who really solidified what they do and how they act. And, you know, it's not by coincidence that so many of the giant monsters that we see, even in Pacific Rim, were vaguely reptilian. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. That's mm-hmm. all Godzilla, man. That's that's yep. the Zilla, yep. yo. Twas beauty he's, that he's killed the, the beast, now. The and it was like the it cross that the killed this podcast. I think that wraps it up for this installment <laughs> of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And thank you for sharing this show with a friend or just a stranger. I'll tell you what, put it on a put it on a USB drive. They're cheap. And then just go set it set it somewhere and see if somebody picks it up and pops it in and sees what's on there and listens to this show. And but, if you are someone that picked up a USB drive on the on the subway, what are you thinking? <laughs> plugging it in and clicking on a file that what? you know Don't, nothing do about? Do not plug that into your computer. It's probably a virus. Put a uh, sticky note on that said no Trojan horse on here. There you go. No, <laughs> no virus. Trojan, no virus. All right, everybody. Next week, I think I, I might. I'm still trying to finalize the details. We might be talking about uh, big giant monsters from beyond in an interview that I'm trying to line up for, uh, for you next week. Why? Because you know that uh, we – I'm sorry, Mess that all up. We know that you love comics and giant monsters and Cthulhu, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Way to think about a better way, if I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Shot up in a fine be in the middle east with a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler wow 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 what a major spoiler major spoilers is copyright 2014